You are listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSN, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our student pastor, Gabe Pecoraro. We are going to continue our series in John. And as I stated a minute ago, we're in John chapter three. We're gonna be reading verses one through 21 tonight. So everybody, I want you to grab one of the pew Bibles that is right in front of you. You see them things? Grab one of them Bibles. I want you to turn to the Gospel of John. It is the fourth book in the New Testament. And I want you to read out of the physical Bible, follow along, and as you are turning, you're gonna turn to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter three, verse one. As you're getting there, I'm gonna remind you, we are talking about the life of Jesus. We are studying the savior of the world, we're studying our Lord, and we're also trying to learn how do we read this big, confusing book, the Bible because it's our manual to life. The Bible is a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path, and if we don't know how to read it, we're gonna miss out on so much goodness in our lives. So we wanna teach you guys how to do that, okay? So as you guys are getting turned to John chapter three, I'm gonna begin reading. We've got three main points tonight that we're gonna be taking from these 21 verses. And the first one is that we must be born again. And we're gonna learn this in verses one through eight. And this is what it says. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So in those first eight verses, the point that we're gonna be making is that we must be born again. I think there's some questions that we need to ask ourselves to figure out what this passage is saying. The first thing is who were the Pharisees? Well, I'm gonna give you guys a demonstration. Mr. Dante, can you come up here for a second? So have y'all ever met somebody? Actually, I'm gonna give you a demonstration. Let's play thumb war, okay? You ready? Do you know the rules of thumb war? American rules, not European. Do you, cool, American? Sure. Okay, you ready? Do you, one, two, three, four, I declare thumb war, right? Okay, you ready? One, two, three, four, I declare thumb war. Wait a second, I hurt my hand this morning, so I'm gonna need to use my index finger, but you're not gonna be allowed to use your index finger because I hurt my hand, okay? Okay, one, two, three, four, I declare thumb war. Stop, you can't move your arm, stop. Stop, ultra thumb. I win. I hurt my hand today. Sit down. Have you guys ever met someone who you're playing a game with them 
And it seems like the rules keep changing to work in their favor over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden, what was a rule is no longer a rule because they forgot they made it a rule earlier and it's not working in their favor. Have y'all ever met, raise your hand if you've met that person before. If you have not met that person before, you might be talking to the man in the mirror. But that was kind of like the Pharisees because the Pharisees were these rulers they, the, the Jewish rulers in the time of Jesus, they were a very strict people who kept adding rules and regulations on top of following God to the Jewish people. See, there was the law, we've talked about this a lot, there were 613 rules to what it looked like to follow God back in the day, and the Pharisees kept just adding stuff on top of that. Not stuff that was already there, but stuff they were adding. Stuff like you had to wash your hands a certain way, or you had to do this day this way, or you had to buy this thing in order to do this thing. And they were putting all these rules and regulations on the people of God, okay? So that's who the Pharisees were. And what do we know? We see that, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And when did Nicodemus come to see Jesus? He came to see Jesus when? Look at your Bibles, look up here. Where did he come? When did he come? At night, right? Well, why would Nicodemus come to Jesus at night? And there's a couple of different theories as to why. We don't know the exact answer, but here's a few of them. One of them is that Nicodemus was a Pharisee and the Pharisees didn't like Jesus. And so in order to stay out of trouble with his bros, he went to Jesus at nighttime. He wanted nobody to know about it. Another potential theory is that Jesus was a busy guy. He did ministry on earth for three years and people were constantly coming to him because he was healing people and the blind were seeing, the lame were walking, all that stuff, right? And so the only time Jesus had a spare minute was at nighttime, so Nicodemus came to see him there. Another potential theory is that the book of John talks a lot about darkness and light. And some people would believe and, and potentially propose that Nicodemus coming at nighttime represents that there was darkness in Nicodemus's heart. And as we read about in John 1 and we'll continue to see is that Jesus is the light and Jesus brings light into a dark, dark world. Now, why do I bring all these different theories up? Regardless of where you land and truth be told, there's not really a definitive answer as to which one is right or wrong. What I want you guys to recognize is, G, or is Nicodemus came to Jesus at a time when you don't normally see friends or see strangers, and Jesus still had time for him. What I want you guys to recognize is that in your life, there is never gonna be a minute where Jesus does not have time for you, where Jesus does not want you to come to him. Jesus is, is knocking on the door of our hearts and all we have to do is let him in. And he wants to eat with us like what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. He wants to have deep relationship and community with us. There is never a time that he is too busy for you. He was not too busy for Nicodemus. He's not too busy for you, okay? So what else do we need to see? Well, if, G, or if Nicodemus was afraid that his bros would be mad at him, we need to recognize that as we follow Jesus, there's gonna be pressures in our world that keep us from wanting to follow him. 
For Nicodemus, it was the people around him. They didn't like Jesus. You need to recognize that there may be times in your school, in your life, where your friends don't wanna follow the same God that you follow. It may be times in your life where it's really, really easy to do the bad thing and ignore the fact that God is calling you to a higher standard. So there's gonna be pressures to following Jesus that we need to recognize. But look at what Jesus replies in verse three. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And then in verse five, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. And this is what I want you guys to realize because this can be kind of a confusing thing is that we as people, I want everybody to take your right hand and I want you to feel your left arm. Yep, is it there? Yes. Okay, now take your right hand and, and pat your head, pat your head. Okay, yep, rub your belly, rub your belly. So here's the thing, as people, we have a physical body, right? A body that can be touched, a body that can be hurt, a body that can be bruised, all of those things. But here's the thing, the thing that makes you, you, the thing that makes me, me, the things that make us laugh when we wanna laugh and cry when we wanna cry and, and celebrate when we wanna celebrate and jump for joy when we wanna jump for joy is all internal. You see, we are spiritual beings that have a physical body. And a fundamental truth to recognize is there is more than this physical body. And whether you choose to follow Jesus or not, there is more after this life. And so what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is it is impossible to be born physically again. You can't get back in your mom and your mom have you again. That's impossible, right? But spiritually, we need a savior. And that savior is Jesus. When he says born again, there's another way that you could say that phrase, it's born anew. And if you look at the Greek and you look at the way that it's kind of translated, it kind of translates to born from above. And we need to recognize that in order to find life, we need to be born from above. And we need to recognize that Jesus is God's son, came and died for me and you, lived a perfect life and rose again. And the way for our soul and our eternity to be saved is to call on him as Lord and Savior. So we must be born again. And as we keep reading this chapter, we're gonna see salvation as a gift and it's freely given to us. And it's not anything that we deserve. So let's keep reading. Point number two is for God so loved that he gave. Beginning in verse nine, it says, how can this be, Nicodemus asked. Jesus says, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very I truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There's a lot going on in these several verses. 
But this is kind of what is happening, all right? So Nicodemus asks Jesus, how can this be? And Jesus is like, dude, if you didn't get the fact that you can't physically be born again, if you're a 45-year-old man, you can't be a newborn anymore. You gotta keep growing, right? If you didn't get that, then how are you gonna understand stuff that's more complicated than that? And then Jesus continues to talk about. He says, look, you are a Bible scholar, right? The Pharisees knew the Old Testament. He was like, do you remember the story? And we'll talk about this. But do you remember the story? Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and people looked at the serpent and were healed. Well, the son of man, Jesus is talking of himself, has got to be lifted up. And when you look at me, people will be healed. So what is this serpent in the wilderness story? Well, Numbers 21, verses four through nine, this is a crazy story. You should look at it afterwards in your small groups because it really is wild. Basically, Moses, raise your hand if you know who Moses is. I'll give you a quick refresher. Moses is the person who went to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go. And Pharaoh at first didn't want to and then some things happened, some plagues happened, some miracles happened and he let them go. Well, Moses brought the Israelites, God's chosen nation out of Egypt and they were going to the promised land. It should have taken them 11 days and it took them 40 years. Do you know why? Because they were hard-headed. How many of y'all have taken about 14 hours to do something it should have taken you 10 minutes to do? Right, we are all hard-headed in this room, okay? So some years into this journey, the Israelites are starting to get frustrated that they ain't there yet. And they're like, man, I'm tired of this, Moses. And Moses was like, and they're like, Moses, God stinks, you stink, we need to go back to Egypt and this and that and the other. They start cursing God and cursing Moses. And what happens? God then sends serpents into their camp and the serpents start biting the people and the people start dying. That's the punishment, right? Well, Moses is like, this is bad news bears. So Moses prays to God, asks for forgiveness, and God tells Moses to build a snake, on a bronze snake on this pole, and basically to stand it up, and when people looked at it, they would be healed, okay? So this image, people had to have faith that God would heal them through looking at this image. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that physically in the Old Testament, people were able to look at an image that God instructed Moses to create and be healed in their physical body. They didn't die, they were saved. What Jesus is saying that I'm gonna be lifted up one day, I'm gonna die on a cross, I'm gonna rise again, and if people have faith to look at me, to call on me as Lord and Savior, their eternity will be saved. That's what he's saying. He's drawing a comparison here that people looked and were saved, people still need to look and be saved. This time, instead of a serpent, they're looking at God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, okay? So that's what he's talking about. And this is what I want you guys to recognize. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Raise your hand if y'all have heard that verse before. Yeah, a lot of you guys, right? It is, it is an incredibly powerful verse what we were talking about earlier, not only did Jesus have time for Nicodemus, Jesus had time to tell him, John three sixteen. But what I want you guys to recognize is that every single one of us is a sinner. This world is a dark place and it's a broken place. 
And every single one of us is condemned without Jesus. What does it mean to be condemned? To be condemned is to be sentenced to death because sin separates us from God. Eternally, we are sentenced to separation. And because of what Jesus did, we are no longer condemned. For God so loved that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world. Because of Jesus, we are not condemned. But without Jesus, we are, okay? So I want you guys to recognize that. Let's finish up this passage, read the last three verses. And the point is this, that our lives will change. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. What I want you guys to recognize, like what I said a second ago, every single one of us is broken. Every single one of us is messed up. And if you look around the world for more than 36 seconds, you're gonna see that it is a dark and a broken place. But we have hope because light came into the darkness. And who is the light? The light is Jesus, right? And what does it talk about in this passage? It says that people, so many of us have loved the darkness and refused to accept the light, all right? And this is what I want you guys to recognize, that if this is us, we all have a beginning and what happens? With Adam and Eve, when we lie to our parents, every single one of us is tainted by sin. Every single one of us is broken and dark in our hearts because of sin. And what is the punishment of that? It's death, right? But Jesus, who knew no sin, came into this world and died for us and made us whole and made us pure again. And what does this mean? This means that our lives should look different than the world around us. You see, because there is not a gospel that is not strong enough to change our life. The gospel that's strong enough to change my soul, to save my soul, is the gospel that's strong enough to change my life. And you need to recognize that. And so as we follow Jesus, not only do we say Jesus is my savior, who I call on, who saves me from death, but Jesus is my Lord. And to make someone your Lord means that you go to them and you bow before them and you do what they ask of you. And so, so many of us, there's an issue, there's a disconnect because the way that we live our life is not any different than our friends around us who don't know Jesus. As Christians, our lives must be changed and transformed by the gospel. And it should look different. No longer does it look like sin, but there is a pureness, a holiness, 
We love others different than the world. We care for others different than the world. We allow people to finish their sentences before we respond different than the world. All of those things. We need to recognize that. And so we're gonna be ending tonight a little bit differently with a response song and it's called More Like Jesus. And the goal of the response and my prayer for us as a ministry is that we would actually make this our prayer. I'm gonna read you guys the lyrics of this chorus and you know the band's gonna come up, we're gonna learn it, but this is what the chorus says. It says, Holy Spirit, make me more like Jesus. Every day a little more like Jesus. Crucify my flesh with yours, that my new life might be secured. Everything I do is done so I can honor you. Resurrect me, sanctify me, and make me into your image. So this is what this means. Obviously, when we call on Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are given this gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus says in John that he, and we're gonna read about this in some weeks down the road, but he's gonna go, but something better is coming, and that's the Holy Spirit. Emmanuel, God with us. So we're asking Emmanuel to make us more like Jesus, the best person to ever live. Help us to love like him, to care like him, to encourage like him. And then it says, to crucify my flesh with yours. And what does that mean? Remember, we talked about a physical body and a spiritual body, right? We talked about how we are spiritual beings with this physical body. And oftentimes in the Bible, in the New Testament, the flesh means the old person before Jesus. And a lot of times in our lives, when we get hard-headed, we wanna put on that old person who gets frustrated really easily, right? Or we wanna put on that old person because we wanna lie to get out of trouble or lie to make a situation more convenient, right? We are saying, Lord, I wanna actually put to death the old self, and I wanna be the new self that's been transformed by Jesus. That's what that line means. And it continues and it says, resurrect me, sanctify me. And what does sanctify me mean? Sanctify me is quite literally what the, verse, the first uh, line of that chorus says, make me more like Jesus. Sanctification is this process of becoming pure, becoming holy, becoming more like Jesus as we live. And so my prayer, and I hope our prayer as we sing this song, as we learn this song, is that we wanna be more like Jesus. And we wanna surrender over our hearts, our lives, and our minds to him. So that he can be both Savior and Lord. All right, let's sing together. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.